Father, we thank you so much for this ministry. We thank you so much for all the different calendar items that we have, all the activities, all the parties, all the fun things that we get to do. We thank you so much even for our new series called Unstained and the opportunity that it's going to be to uh, be such a helpful resource in these students' lives. Father, I pray that you would just uh, uh, give them uh, excitement about it and in particular excitement about you and about what they can really learn and grow in uh, with this uh, particularly a particular event. And uh, God, so please do a work and allow us to be uh, benefited greatly uh, by the work of your Spirit uh, in these different events. And bless our time this morning around the Word, and may we understand it with great, great clarity. May we be uh, focused uh, and awake and uh, clear away the cobwebs in our, in our head and um, all the tired um, uh, minds and uh, the exhaustion from school or from sports or things like that, and uh, allow us to really be centered around you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we are in the book of James. And uh, really, last week we had a big discussion about patience, right? We talked about patience. And we're continuing that. Uh, this is, as you can see on your sheet there, I, and I think, I hope I typed it up right, but this is part three. This is the test of patient endurance, part three. And we're going to look at just one verse today, just one verse. And uh, the reason why I'm looking at just one verse is because this is the most important verse out of, out of this um, section on the test of patient endurance. This is, this is the heart of it. Uh, this is the focus. And after my sermon uh, last week, after the message, uh, our, our good friend here, Joel, came up to me afterwards, and he asked me this question, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, okay, so, so bear with me, but he, he asked me this question. He says, uh, is this talking about being patient in the middle of suffering, or can it also be talking about patient at any time? In other words, like, is this talking, to, are we talking about patience when, you, you know, you're, you're trying to turn the other cheek when someone mistreats you, okay? Is that the kind of patience we're talking about? Or is it like patience like when, you know, you're at the mall and you're waiting for your friend and, you know, she doesn't show up for like 15 minutes or something like that and it's like you're so mad. You're like, ah, why are you not here? We need to go shopping. Uh, like is it, is it that kind of patience, you know? What kind of patience are we talking about here? And, and here was my answer to him. And it might sound a little strange if you, if you kind of know the, the passage that we've been going through. But my answer to him was this, both. It's talking about both. Or in other words, it's talking about all patience, all kinds of patience. And even though the context of what we saw was this is, there is injustice going on, right? Rich people are oppressing these poor people. And so this is a, an instance where they do have to kind of turn the other cheek when people are mistreating them, and that's the kind of patience they have to have. But, but, this is actually talking about all patients at large, in, whether, whether it's you're mistreated or whether you're not. And the reason why I think there might have been some confusion last week about what kind of patients are we talking about 
is because we haven't seen the whole picture yet. We've only gotten through two verses out of this five verses kind of section. And we're going to get to uh, the real core of what this is about. This is, this is what James is after uh, in verse 9. And so that's why we need to really focus on this verse really hard and why this is the only verse we're going to look at today. Um, so uh, today we come to the center of it all. Uh, the, the answer to this puzzling question, uh, which is essentially, you know, what are we really talking about when we're talking about patience? What, is it, what are we really talking about? And so the context or the situation that we have seen so far is injustice, um, but there is something else going on. There is something else going on. And so if you're, if you're thinking this morning, well, you know, what did you just say? What are you talking about? Like, I'm completely lost, okay? If, if that is where you're at this morning and, and what I just said to you just went like over your head, uh, don't worry. It's okay. Uh, by the end of this sermon, you're going to understand what we're talking about, okay? Uh, there is a strategy that James has here. There is a strategy. He has an agenda, and it is so, so essential. And it's a little complex, but I'm going to unpack it for you this morning a little bit, okay? And it's going to be so practical. It is going to be so helpful for your Christian walk. And, and even if you're not a Christian, it, it is actually one of the greatest things you can know before you become a Christian. So, um, so again, James 5, 7 through 11 is the larger text that we're in right now. It's all about patience. That's the focus here. It's all about patience. And we saw last week in verses 7 through 8, a biblical definition of patience. A biblical definition of patience. And, and remember, there were, there were two aspects of this, right? That patience is, number one, persistent. And number two, it is confident, right? We saw with persistence, we saw the farmer who has to spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, uh, a, a lot of focus, he has to be persistent, right? And there was a lot of things that were going on with that, um, you know, where it just it takes a long time to grow crops, and there's not a lot of water in the area and stuff like that. So, uh, but it's also it's not just that the uh, you have to be persistent to be patient, but there's also a confidence, confidence in God, confidence in what God is going to do in particular in particular in the future, that God has the end figured out, and that gives you great confidence to be persistent and to be patient. So that's what patience is all about. That's a biblical definition of what patience is. So today, what we see is that the people James is talking to are not patient. They're not patient. And I think sometimes the assumption we, we, we make is, well, these people are Christians, so they have to have some patience. And, and, and maybe James is just warning them not to be patient. No, what we're going to find is they're really not patient. They're very impatient. And that's the reason why he's commanding them, be patient, because they're not. And so they're not patient at all. And uh, what we're going to find is that really as we go through this, James is going to need to set another definition down. He's going to need to set another definition. We saw a biblical definition of patience. But we need to see what is a biblical definition of 
impatience. What is a biblical definition of impatience? And that's the main point for today, a biblical definition of impatience. So last week was a biblical definition of patience. This morning, biblical definition of impatience. Impatience, okay? What is impatience? That's the question we're after. What is impatience and where does it come from? Where does it come from? So to do that, we will break up our investigation of James 5.9 into two parts. Okay, this is, There's two parts to this. The first part is we will paint a picture. Uh, we will see, or sorry, uh, yeah, we will paint the picture that James is describing for us in this verse. And the last, we will, we will uncover the purpose of the picture that he paints. So the first thing, the first point here that on your sheet that you can write down is uh, the picture of impatience, okay? This is the picture. The picture of impatience. What is the picture that we see about impatience? What's the kind of scene that James sets for us, all right? And the first thing he says... In, in verse 9, uh, he says, do not grumble. Do not grumble. And there are two things you need to know about this, okay? There's two things you need to know about this. Number one, and I kind of already said this, but they're already grumbling. They're already complaining. In other words, James is not saying, you know, hey, I just, I, just in case you're ever wondering about people who grumble. I know you guys don't grumble. You never grumble. But in case you're ever wondering about grumbling, you know, don't do it. It's bad, okay? Stay away from it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, stop grumbling. Stop grumbling. This is something they're already doing. They're grumbling. They're complaining, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing you need to know about this is this. Uh, How many of you guys have an ESV? ESV Bible? Good. Lots of ESVs. Uh, NIV. NIV? No NIVs? Okay. Uh, NKJV? Ah, okay. So like all ESV. Okay. Then there's NASB, but I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, the ESV says the word grumble. It says grumble. Do not grumble. Okay? Then NASB says do not complain. Okay? It's, just, it's like a synonym, same thing. Okay? This word actually means to groan. To groan. Okay? And you might be asking yourself, well, what's the difference between groaning and complaining? Like, is there any difference at all? Uh, there is. There actually is a difference between groaning and complaining, or groaning and grumbling, okay? Now, let me give you an example of this, okay? Um, a couple years ago, uh, I was in the middle of seminary. I was in school. And every once, like every semester, I would get this letter in the mail from the seminary. And they would say, you owe several thousand dollars for seminary. And normally that's like, okay, yeah, like I understand that. I went to school and I owe money. But you have to understand, I actually had a scholarship that would make it, make it so that I didn't owe any money. And they would always send me this bill of several thousand dollars. And I'm like, I don't owe that money. Why would you send me this? And if I don't like take time right now out of my day to tell them, hey, Stop sending me this bill. I'm going to have to pay this bill or pay late fees and stuff like that. So every semester, I always have to go into their accounting office and be like, hey, I actually don't owe any money. Okay? And in that moment, when I'm opening up this letter and I see the several thousand dollars, I groan. Ugh. 
Ugh. That's what groaning is. It's just like, oh, I can't believe this, okay? That's groaning. Now, uh, but there's also, uh, I also had a temptation uh, to go to like my mom and to say, mom, look what happened here. Look at this, look at this letter. That's complaining when I start going to other people and telling them about it. So do you see the difference between groaning and complaining? It's one is internal, one is external. One is, I can't believe this to myself. One is, I am, uh, like, I, I'm complaining to other people. So there is a difference. There is a difference. Uh, so when it says stop grumbling, it really means stop groaning. When it says stop groaning, it means deal with the disgust you have inside your heart. That's what it's talking about here. Now, all their groaning has been triggered by these rich tyrants, right? All these rich people. Uh, they have been robbing from uh, the po- these poor Christians and making life miserable for them. So, in other words, uh, Christians are getting really upset and disturbed uh, because the rich are making life nasty for them, okay? Now, what's the question you should be asking yourself at this point? What's the question? Uh, why are uh, the Christians getting mad at each other? Why are they getting mad at each other? Um, why, why, not, why, are, why are they not getting mad at the rich people? What, they're, 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 those are the ones that are causing the problems, right? They're causing the problems. But there's, um, uh, there's something you have to know. Uh, turn back to James chapter 2 for a second, okay? Turn back to James chapter 2. James, James is talking about in this section, if you just kind of peruse this, James is just talking about don't, be, don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism to the rich people, right? There's rich people who are in your churches, and you're showing favoritism to them. You're, sh- you're showing them favor. And he says you're, you're excluding the poor, and you're saying, nah, the poor are bad and stuff like that. And so he's saying here, look, here's what you're doing. You're showing all these rich people favor, and what's going to happen when you do that? What are you trying to do? You're trying to get favor from the rich people, right? You're trying to get them to give you money, right? That's kind of what he's talking about here. He's saying you're being a teacher's pet. You're being a suck-up, right? And, and so nobody likes a suck-up, right? You know, when you see someone do that, you're like, oh, I can't believe someone would do that, right? And you get really mad at them. You get really jealous of them, right? That is what is going on here. Some people are benefiting from the rich by being extra nice to them. And nobody likes a suck-up. And so what happens is there's jealousy among the people. That's why they're not mad at the rich people. They're mad at each other because everyone's trying to get something from the rich because the rich are oppressing them. So they're like, well, maybe if I'm nice to the rich, they'll give me something nice in return. And so that's kind of the context that we see here. There's jealousy. Now, turn over to chapter 3, verse 14. Verse 14. And we see this stated very clearly. 
In verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show from his good behavior, his works, and uh, in humility of wisdom, and gentleness of wisdom. And then he says, But if you have what? Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. Stop boasting and stop lying against the truth. Okay? So he's saying, look, you guys are jealous of one another. And what is that doing? You're groaning against one another because of that. And so the attitude they have is, well, look at so-and-so sucking up like that. I can't believe that. And they're getting mad at each other. And so that's the picture that we have here. But there's a second part to this picture. The judge is standing at the door. The judge is standing at the door. And the image James paints for you is one of a judge from a courtroom. Um, it's, it's like a, a judge who comes down to your jail cell, and, and you're in your jail cell, and he's standing before you, and you realize, wow, this is the day that I get my verdict. This is the day that, you know, I don't know, I'm executed or something like that. That's kind of the picture we have here. This judge is standing there, and he's like, I've got your life in my hands, and let's go to the courtroom, and let's decide your fate. It's scary. It's a, it's a scary scene. That's kind of the picture. And so James says, stop groaning against each other because God, the great judge, sees it. He sees it. And if you continue down this path, who's to say you won't end up on the wrong side of eternity? But you might be asking yourself, but James, I thought all believers are going to heaven. We're talking about believers here, right? Why is James warning them about judgment? I don't understand. I I thought a Christian can't lose his salvation. You're right. A Christian can't lose their salvation. That's a truth we know to be true in Scripture. But that's not what James is saying here. Uh, But in order to explain to you what James is saying, I need to explain to you point number two. And point number two is this, uh, the purpose. What's the purpose of the picture? Okay. What's the purpose of the picture? Um, Why does James paint this kind of picture of, of, of impatience? Um, that's the question we're asking. Why does James paint this kind of picture of impatience? Um, how many of you guys have seen like movies with flashbacks in them? Flashbacks, where like there's this part in the movie where there's a flashback. Um, there, there's flashbacks here in James five nine. We get a flashback to chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, all over the place. There's flashbacks. And uh, James 5, 9 is a flashback. Why is there a flashback to all these particular passages throughout the book, which we just saw? We saw chapter 2 about the rich. We saw chapter 3 about jealousy. And there's also a flashback to chapter 4, which says, where do quarrels and conflicts come from among you? They come from within. They come from within. Why is that? Because it's talking about the heart. It's talking about the heart. Why does James take us back to these places? Because these passages direct us to the root problem of impatience. What is the root of impatience? It is something inside the heart. It is something inside the heart. There are selfish desires inside the heart. James says, stop groaning because there is an internal problem. There's an internal problem that's going on. And so what we have is this interesting picture here okay we have this interesting picture we have all these rich people who are oppressing all these people 
And then we get a window inside the heart of these people. And what we have is we have impatience, but inside impatience, we have jealousy, which is their groaning. That's their groaning. But inside that is something else. There's a root problem that's going on. And what we find is at the core of that is pride. There is pride inside their heart. That's the core of impatience. That's the problem. And it's not explicit here. It doesn't say that here. But when it jumps back to all these passages, it's hinting at that. With, uh, like James chapter 4, when it says, From where do quarrels and conflicts come among you? They come from inside the pleasures that wage war among your members. And so that is the point of what he's getting after. To answer the question from the beginning, what kind of patience are we talking about? We're talking about patience that is, uh, pertains to all aspects of life, whether you're provoked or not. Impatience is a symptom of the real problem, and the real problem is pride. The real problem is pride. Uh, when you catch a cold, um, is, the, is the root problem your cough? Is it your runny nose or your headache or your fever? No, what's the root problem of a cold? It's a virus. It's a virus, right? You can blow your nose. You can take cough medicine. You can take Advil, but it's not going to solve the problem. What solves the problem? Just getting rid of the virus, right? Getting better, sleep and stuff like that. You can't, impatience is just a symptom. It's just a symptom. The root problem is pride, and you have to tackle that. Pride says, I deserve this, and because I'm not getting this, I'm going to be jealous and impatient. And so, I don't know if you've ever thought about impatience this way before, but that's what a biblical definition of impatience really is. Uh, It's more than just outbursts of frustration or fuming inside your heart. It is more than being short with someone or irritated at your circumstances. It is, I expected this, and I didn't get it, so I'm going to get impatient and upset. It is pride at the heart. Um, You see this all the time. You see this all the time. You know, at school, you might fail a big science project, and you get impatient. Why? Because you're jealous. You're jealous of what? Respect. You want respect. You want want people to see you as, as a good student. I deserve to be respected. And so respect becomes your idol. Uh, you see it in sports. You get impatient on the field when, when there's a foul and it's not called or something like that. You get jealous. You get jealous of the other guy because you want to look like the best athlete on the field. You get jealous in relationships. Uh, there's all kinds of ways you get jealous. You get jealous. And there's nothing wrong with all these things necessarily. There's nothing wrong with being respected in school or being the best at your sport. But what is the root problem here? There's pride. And you've let something become your idol. What is that that you've let that become your idol? It's pride. It's, it's self-exaltation. And so the change happens where it comes, comes from being a good desire to being a bad desire when you want something more than God. You want something more than God. You want yourself to be exalted and not God to be exalted. So we've got to get after the heart here. Identify that moment in your life when you get impatient, when you get mad or angry or irritated. Uh, Trace that sin to your heart, and you will find the source of your problem. The question here you want to ask yourself is, what am I worshiping more than God right now? 
when you get impatient, ask yourself that question. So it really shows that you don't love God. When you're impatient, you don't love God. That's the, that's, that's the bottom line. And so that's why he concludes the verse. Look, the judge is standing before the doors. It's not that Christians are... Uh, Christian, uh, you're, you're not, not like, it's not that you're in danger of losing your salvation. It's that uh, there's a warning here. There's a warning. You might not be saved. You might not be saved. That's the warning. So the question is, do you love God? Do you love God? And if you don't love God, then you need to humble yourself and repent. You need to humble yourself and repent. So I hope that is something where, I hope that's where you stand that you love God. But if you don't, humble yourself and repent, as James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 talks about. Okay, Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this message. We thank you so much for the, uh, that you have given us this, uh, this description of pride and impatience. And Lord, I pray that you would just break our hearts and help us to uh, take away some of that impatience by dealing with our pride. Lord, uh, save those who have not humbled themselves yet and and help us to to really focus on impatience in the right way, that it's all about pride and it's all about our selfish ambition. So help us in this way, O God, we pray in his name. Amen.